0: Ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, welcome to the greatest podcast show on earth. Hi everyone. Welcome to this episode of Schlepstick, conversations on clowning. I'm your humble hobo host. I'm Gunky. And uh, with me on the line is my lovely and beautiful co-host, she makes me say that. She pays me every time I say it. So pay up, girl. Here's Jazzy.
1: Thank you. And um, checks in the mail. Can I do that? <laughs> checks in the mail. Venmo. The
0: story of my I don't even have Venmo.
1: I'm a <laughs> hobo clown. I don't have Venmo. That's right. You've got <laughs> empty holy pockets. That's right.
0: The holy pockets are the ones I take to church.
1: That's right. <laughs>
0: All right, some seriousness here. Our topic today is what? I'm going to let you introduce it, Jazz. Who are we talking to today?
1: The Mott Campus Clowns. And we do want to do a special shout out to one of our listeners. (laughs) His name's Dave Michaels. He is a clown that, um, thank goodness, finds us, I guess somewhat humorous to listen to some of our podcasts or
0: he has nothing else to do
1: yeah or we always like to ask people for suggestions on topics and maybe who to talk to and he suggested we talk to the mott campus clowns and we boy did we talk about talk to them didn't we we talked to them quite a while
0: yes i'm glad you're here on the first episode yes because there's more (laughs) We talked to them so long and they were so interesting that we had to break this up into three different episodes. So please stay with us. Before we get to that, though, we should really introduce our guests. We haven't introduced them yet.
1: Yes, we should introduce them. Um, Would you like me to introduce?
0: Uh, Sure. Well, sure. Go right ahead. The, The floor is yours.
1: We have with us today Brian Ivory, who is the creator of the Mott Campus Clowns, as well as... The lovely Alicia Turner.
0: Alicia Turner, that's his assistant, I suppose. Yes, Is that yes. Correct? Okay. Yep. Um and in this first segment, we're going to talk about their background as clowns so you get an idea of who they are, right?
1: Yep. We're also going to talk about how the Mock Campus Clowns got started.
0: And since it's a college course, we're also in this first segment going to find out about what that course looks like for those students that are enrolled in it. Kind of what they go through. So I think it's going to be a really, really interesting topic.
1: Oh, I know it will be interesting.
0: And at this moment, we join our interview already in progress. Hi, Brian. It's so nice to meet you guys. Thank you for agreeing to do this. Uh, Well, as our listeners know, we try to um, highlight some of the positive aspects of clowning. And nothing is more positive about clowning than bringing up and training new clowns. So I am so I applaud you guys for doing what you're doing Brian uh, I think this was your brainchild is that correct it was yeah okay can you uh, can you kind of take us uh, back and give us a little history of how you came about starting the Mott campus clowns
2: well uh, we all have a clown story and my clown story starts in 1983 as a student at Michigan State University and I was at a meeting for Special Olympics and someone asked who would like to organize entertainment and my hand went up and the organizer said, Bubbles the Clown, that's got a nice ring to it. And I thought, okay, I guess I'm supposed to organize clowns for Special Olympics, which I did. And I started a couple clown troops while I was in college. And after my semi-professional clown career and I started grad school, once I settled into my profession in Flint, Michigan, it wasn't too long before I decided to start a new clown troupe at Mott Community College called the Mott Campus Clowns. And we train students over a seven and a half week period to become members of the Mott Campus Clowns. And then when they're fully trained, we go into the community, we do anti-bully comedy magic shows in the elementary schools at Boys and Girls Clubs. We do parades, we do Special Olympics. So that's kind of how I ended up bringing that brainchild, if you will, Uh, to the work that I do for the last 10 years at Mott Community College.
0: That's very cool. I love that it was rooted in um, Special Olympics service. We'll turn the dial back just a little bit. Give us a little bit of your particular history, because you said um, you went to Ringling College, Ringling Clown College. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, so once I was organizing students for Special Olympics as a student at Michigan State. I then got into the local clown alley in Lansing. I took clown classes at the community college with Al Fast and Georgia Morris. Sure. I did a couple of clown camps in Wisconsin with Richard Snowflake. So I was in that evolution of becoming a, a better clown, a more professional clown. And then the second year I was at clown camp, I auditioned for the Ringling Brothers Burnham Bailey Clown College and was a member of the class of 1987.
0: Oh, cool. Do you remember who were some of your classmates? Oh, in
2: 1987, absolutely. Yeah? Uh, My roommate was Jeff Keough, and um, just a lot of wonderful memories from that group. There was 50 of us. It was the 20th anniversary of Clown College. and um, very exciting. Just a special experience. Was that the year that uh, they did the Dick Van Dyke special? Exactly. We were actually the hosts for the 20th anniversary. We're all, I think, 400 students. uh, Clowns came back. uh, Graduates came back. Maybe not that many. But that was a wonderful experience.
1: Well, I imagine you take a lot of what you learned. Can you tell us a little bit about transitioning from what you did to now teaching clowns?
2: You can always tell a Ringling Clown, you just, they just have a sense about them. So I knew that quality costumes was a really important part of developing our clown troupe. From a skills perspective, from the circus world, I bring walk-arounds, slapstick comedy into their training, good quality makeup into their training. So I do bring some of the circus clown skills to the work that we do with the Mott Campus Clowns. In addition to that though, we do things like building their skills on joke telling, parade how to take photos with the public. Mm-hmm. So there's other ways that we train them specific to the roles that they're gonna play when they're finally out in the community as members of the mock Campus Clowns. So for example, we don't train them on magic. We don't train them on balloon animals. We don't right. train them on juggling. We train them A, how to do the anti-bully comedy magic show, how to do paradeability, how to do meet and greet, how to tell jokes. So we specifically train them for the skills that they're going to be using when they're in makeup performing as members of the truth.
1: I really admire the fact that the most important thing that you're teaching them is the fundamentals of clowning,
0: I want to i want to wake up uh tinkers over here i think she nodded off on it tinkers uh, come on
3: tinkers. <laughs> not when dr bubby's talking no how could i ever do
0: that tinkers i just want to ask you're a former student i am why do students decide to join the mod campus clowns what what motivates them? What draws them to you guys?
3: Well, I think from from my perspective, it's a it's a little bit different, just because I have a, a familial history with clowning. So my motivation was very different than what I think is traditional with the students. But I think one of the biggest impacts uh, for them is is the orientation process. So. In order to be a mock campus clown, you have to be uh, a member of the mock community college honors college, and so um, as a result of that, you need to go to an orientation where Dr. Ivory is there and he kind of gives uh, an overview of what the honor- honors college entails, um, and as a part of that, he introduces. the the idea that you have to have a certain number of community service hours. Uh, And there's multiple facets in how you can acquire those hours, and it's really entirely up to your preference. But as an alternative to um, some of those, he gives an opportunity for you to join the Mock Campus Clowns. Um, So there are really no restrictions other than being a part of that community of students. But um, (laughs) it's very interesting watching the faces of the students when they see the slideshow, come up because they're like, wait, this is, wait, we do this at this college, what are, What are, who are these people, what are they doing, why are they dressed funny, you know, and they start to kind of see this development of the students that have come previously, um, and I do give a lot of credit to the students who started with, with Dr. Ivory because it gives them <laughs> more of a history with the mock Campus Clowns. They are the ones who pioneered it. They're the ones that took his vision and, and made it possible. Um, and that really has encouraged the students that come after them because they now have a visual representation of what that looks like, and I think with this next generation coming along, um, being visual is a is a big deal. So understanding that it's going to be loads of fun, you're going to interact with little kids, which I mean, who doesn't love little kids? So they, um, I think, they really just get that that idea. Um, and that visual representation of these other clowns that have come through it and they're like, wow, if a, you know, a college student like that can do it, maybe I can do it too. And I think we've had every facet of, of students. I mean, we've got extremely introverted, very shy students um, that is amazing to watch them break out of their shell and, and really interact in a different way that you wouldn't expect. We have ambitious and extremely jovial students that are gung-ho and they just wanna jump in um, head first. So we got a multiple facets that kind of all come together at one time and I think just seeing that group and the cohesiveness and the reputation that some of these students have of, um, kind of portrayed over the last few semesters and how that word has spread over campus um, we have a pretty good reputation with the rest of with the rest of our school and they know that it's a, a fun program to be in and it's not just you know a blow-off class so it's it's a pretty cool <laughs> exactly
2: <laughs> i was going to ask how you market it to the students how do they even know about it well as Alicia just mentioned we do have orientations for students in the honors program but in a lot of ways it's the students that are currently in the troop who actually show up to their chemistry class in clown shoes or show up to their English class, and they have to practice giving away clown noses. So they ask their classmates to help them with their homework, and so a lot of it's seeing other current clowns in action. And then they make a mental note: Hey, when my opportunity comes up, I'm going to become a member of the mock campus clowns. So it's a, it's a lot of word of mouth, I would say.
1: About how many um, max do you have in a class at a time?
2: We have a max of ten. Okay. So the st- class is capped at 10, and that's specifically because our students, we travel both in the fall and the winter for weekends and for spring break, and uh, we're limited to 10 students at a time. Over the lifetime of the courts, how many students have you had uh, in total? How many clowns have you trained? I think we're up to about 128. That's beautiful.
1: It is. And they've all dropped out of college to become professional clowns then?
2: They all got Except four points for being the class clowns. That's what we say. <laughs> yeah.
0: What do they hope to get out of it when they join when they join your, your course?
2: Well the nice thing is we actually we're doing service learning. So part of service learning is reflections. So we actually asked those questions in the beginning of the semester, why did you join? And we asked that question at the end of the semester, what did you get out of it? And for every student, it's gonna be a little bit different, but I can tell you that over the course of the 15 weeks being a member of the Mont Campus Clowns, they felt like they made a difference. They felt like what they were doing mattered. And it doesn't take long for you to feel good about yourself when you're in a auditorium of about 200 school age kids and they start chanting your clown name. And not to say that our clowns are treated like rock stars but like in parades sometimes they are for me i think what they get out of it is i've done something meaningful i've contributed to the community and i've felt great being a part of this group of clowns Mm -hmm. so i think there's a lot of intrinsic rewards
3: i also think too that they um, a lot of the hidden wants um that come from students is especially you know from my perspective was um, just, you know, how, how you'd mentioned before, Gonky, about um, joining clowns and, and just wanting some friendships with people. Mm-hmm. And to me, that being a college student, especially a first year college student with a lot of them, they are struggling to find where they fit in. Um, They don't know how they're going to be able to mesh with people and they just want to find a community that they can be themselves and I think that um, it may not start out that way when they're, how am I going to be this clown? What does that entail? Is it going to be hard? You know, all these questions go through but inevitably we try to create an atmosphere that um, will allow them to become a group, a cohesive unit of people that understand that they can be friends no matter their differences, Um, they can um, hold each other up when you know things go down that are not expected and i think that that is just a a platform that they're allowed to kind of sit in with the rest of the students and they understand that you know this is kind of an atmosphere that's been created for them and they can hold on to that so i think that's kind of a lot of the unspoken things that they're looking to get out of it that we hope that we provide um, later down the road it's fun to be around like-minded people Um, i find
1: it Tremendously um, enjoyable, no matter how old they are, what um, what kind of clown they um, are, or do with their clowning. I think you probably are surprised, maybe Brian, when they come to the class and they have this idea of what it's going to be like, and then at the end when you ask them it might be something totally surprising to them what they have gotten out of it.
2: And Tinkers and I have been in the front row seats to watch some of the more quiet students absolutely evolve in in their confidence and their sociability that carries out into other areas of their lives. So in that seven weeks, what do you try and cram into their brains?
3: Well, um, it's quite a lot of information. So we've been told, of course, by the students, but they embrace it quite well, I think. And as uh, and Dr. Bobby mentioned before, um, we start them off, you know, right out the gate when they come into the classroom, they need to already have a, a couple options for their clown names. So they need to kind of have a, a surface or a building block for us to work with when they come in. So they are informed in advance um, that they are going to be a mock campus clown. Um, and so before class starts, we let them prepare and we just say, look, on the first day of class, you're going to come in. We want everybody to get up in front of the class. Yes, you're going to have to talk in front of people. I know that's quite a shock. <laughs> um, but." We're gonna have you you know, step out of your comfort zone. We want to hear about you. We wanna know why you wanted to be a mock Campus Clown and we wanna know what kind of ideas you have for picking your clown name. Um, and so they start right out the gate and then we move on from there. Um, every class uh, session, they have homework that they have to um, utilize during their week and um, something that they will have ready for the next class. So it can be anything. We start with answering questions about clowns. We teach them how to interact with the public and especially with children and the very bizarre questions that come from children when um they're they ask about you know why is your hair that color how come your feet are so big you know these types of questions that um wouldn't normally catch you off guard as a, a normal human being um and we prepare them so that they're not so you know staunch and, and scared of what might come from those conversations so we we start with that and then we um teach them joke telling which um Dr. Bobby and I have taught in other facets as well, but it's mostly um, the preparation of joke telling, the, the execution of joke telling, and, and making sure that they're ready because that is primarily what we do in parades. So when we know that we can't hand out things and you know, uh, in certain parades, especially in Michigan, we're not allowed to do those types of things. So as an alternative, um, we really kind of hone in on their people skills and how they're, they can interact with at one another and especially make people laugh that is our number one goal. Um, so we really really strive to be good joke tellers um, and our students of course are, are great at that. Um, and then we move on to how they take uh, photographs with the public, um, what to do and what not to do, how to posture themselves, how to handle certain situations with if there's somebody in the crowd that uh, is a little bit disagreeable with other people, um, so we move from there to um, what they do with giveaways when we are allowed to do giveaways. Um, Most of the time it's at, you know, boys and girls clubs where we give away stickers and clown noses and flyers. A lot of the times our flyers will say, well, it'll be a full pamphlet and it'll have a a puzzle on the back and a little bit more information about us, but it has our, our main message, which is the title of our show called Turning Frowns Upside Down One Smile at a Time. And so we walk them through, we have a pledge that goes with that. um, And that's all on those flyers. So we really try hard to make sure that they understand the importance of how we give this information out um, and what it means to us and and how it represents us. Um, And then we move from there to our parade ability. As I touched on before, sometimes it's more we sometimes will bring walk-arounds in um, if we're not allowed to interact with the public as much, and we can kind of work with those as well. We train them on squeakers. Um, that's a pretty intense class. Uh, you you <laughs> wouldn't you wouldn't think that that would be a topic of, of a certain conversation, but they have to learn the workaround of a squeaker and how to use it appropriately, um, what's a good time to use that, and how it can um, emphasize you as a clown or your character as a clown. Then we move to clown comedy magic and our walk arounds, of course. But these two things we utilize the most during our show. So we really, really want to hone in on their skill set. We teach them whatever their specific skit or um, routine is gonna be during the show. They rehearse and rehearse and rehearse over and over until um, they're comfortable, number one. We find that they have reached a specific level of, of talent. This is what a skill that we wanna teach them. And then we move from there In most schools, we end up doing a segment for storytelling. So we use um, Catherine Otashi's book called One, and it's about bullying. So we, that's obviously also incorporated in our show, but if we prelude our show with um, a conversation with the kids in their classrooms, we will tell this story, read this book with them, ask them questions about what they, what they think about bullying and what is good and what isn't good. Um, and usually our students will break up into groups. So they'll go in pairs into different classrooms. Um, that way it'll be a little bit more personal and the kids will be able to ask questions and this will give our students more of an opportunity to kind of really hone in on those skills that they've been learning. Um, well, can I jump in real quick for one second? To- sure.
1: When you say you break up into um, teams of two clowns to go into the classroom, mm-hmm. is it they're giving their own performance or is it you do a performance and then break out into two in classrooms?
3: Well, typically it is, um, it depends on the school that we go to. Um, and what their schedule will allow. So sometimes we'll be in the classrooms before the show and sometimes we'll be in there after the show, but we like to be in before the show because then we can kind of prep for what they're going to see in the show. Um, A lot of anti-bullying programs, but it's not really about them and their personal performance to to a certain point. I mean, it does mean a little bit because they are, um, all eyes are on them. There's only two of them. So they can't really pass the buck off to somebody else. They have to um, kind of put on their own little personal performance and talk about themselves. And and so, um, but mostly what we really want the students to get out of it is the story. Cause that is what is the precursor to what we're gonna talk about when we're in the show. And so it's a lot of questions um, for the kids. And <laughs> a lot of, we also give this the kids, time to answer questions about us. So we say, you know, do you have any questions about clowns? And they'll ask very bizarre questions or sometimes not even really questions, sometimes it's just statements. So right. um, yeah. yeah, it teaches them the skill of how to handle conversation. And not only is that good in the clowning world, but it's also good In their regular lives and it teaches them um, a little bit more personal skills which is translated later on but overall that's mostly what we teach of course we have a lot of other things that go when we travel and things like that and how we get the opportunity to teach them life skills as well so but that's the most um the the meat of what we do
1: i imagine you go in clown you're already in when you're traveling there, right?
2: But so we, before the day of our performances, we have a clown alley that's, that we use that we get into makeup and then we get on the bus. Usually the bus is pre-packed with our entire show, which is a lot of stuff. Yeah. And then we will arrive in the show as clowns. We will set up the show as clowns. And as Tinker's mentioned, either before or after the show, we'll go ahead and visit the classrooms. So we also remind students that anytime you're in public, put your clown on. And that means you're always representing the clowning tradition, whether you're putting up the clown show or you're in the classroom or you're even using the restroom. Um, So uh, it's important for them to know that um, when you walk out of Clown Alley, you've got your clown on and uh, that stays on all day long until you come back to Clown Alley
3: until your nose comes off.
2: And the longest day of the year is the Thanksgiving Day Parade in Detroit, where the clowns are expected to show up for makeup at 2.30 in the morning. And as Tinker's mentioned, she likes to develop a sense of community and she always has a PJ party at her house, which is right next to campus, (laughs) so that none of those clowns show up late.
3: They tend to think it's more because, you know, party. Yeah, why not? When in reality, it's just making sure you're not late for the next day.
2: (laughs) (laughs) One way in which obviously seven and a half weeks isn't a very long time to cover what we cover, but one shortcut that we've done is Tinkers and I will actually design the faces for all of the clowns. They get to choose whether they're going to be an August white face, tramp, or character clown, but we will use their natural features in their face, and we will design their faces. And they only have two shots, how to learn how to put on their makeup before they actually have to put it on a third time and actually be in the community. So their learning time to apply makeup is one thing, but we shorten that time by designing their faces. We may, no pun intended, tinker with their design (laughs) a little bit, Um, but when they get into makeup for their first time, they'll actually take their formal studio shots the first day we clown. So they'll get their head shots, their full body shots. And by then we're hoping that their their makeup is, is, is professional. And we'll actually bring in former clowns on the two makeup days that we have mm-hmm. to work one-on-one with one of our new clowns to help them learn how to apply makeup professionally.
3: And I think it's important to note too that that is one, one thing that our students do, um, which is not common for a lot of clowns, but they, they only have two practice days before they start clowning in public. Um, and just, I have a, a major passion for, for clown makeup. My, my mom taught me at a very young age. She's a very passionate clown. And so um, coming into this and, and helping Dr. Bubby with a lot of the makeups, it's really rewarding when you get to see them having fun and uh a lot of times they're very frustrated in the beginning um and they're you know i don't know how to do this especially the boys (laughs) um they struggle a little bit more but they you know everybody by the end they they miss their makeup time they um have really developed over their different makeup sessions after they've been in public and they realize what works and what doesn't work and um, they kind of hone into what works for them. And I think that's very rewarding for me to see because I know that um, it's something that I enjoy doing um, and definitely making little tweaks and, and tinkering around with it too. So that is a, a good skill that they learn, probably one of my favorites out of all of them.
0: lean in and listen closely you will soon realize there is one clown listening to two others on a podcast i want to get to tinkers real quick because i think i realized when she was explaining about the makeup we missed a little bit of her background as a clown (laughs) Can you give me uh, just a real quick synopsis, the the 50-cent version of how you became a clown? Because you talked about your mom teaching you about makeup as
1: well.
3: Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I um, started clowning when I was five. Um, my parents were very passionate clowns um, when I was growing up. My mom loved clowning probably more than any other individual I've ever known, <laughs> and uh, she was... Uh, dead set on becoming a ringling clown. Um, Unfortunately, she got pregnant with my sister and so that kind of threw a wrench into some things, but um, it didn't stop her. She definitely carried that on to my family and my dad. When she met my dad, he embraced it and knew that it was something she loved and he's a very passionate guy too. So he took it on and they trained my brother and I um, to be clowns when I was quite young. And we did, uh, corporate events and and church fairs and things like that um, all when I was growing up and then I kind of took a break um, after high school and I traveled for a while and um, I came back to go to Mott and I was sitting on a bench one day and I grabbed this pamphlet and on the front it had um, some clowns and it said Mott on it and I was like these two things cannot be correlated like there's no way that this is here at this school and then um, I received an email uh, with my acceptance into the honors college and so when I went to orientation I found out about the Mott Campus Clowns. And uh, as a result, um, <laughs> Dr. Bubby um, was announcing to the group and at the end he just said, you know I'm just curious. I just want to see it. is anybody here interested in being co- becoming a mock campus clown? And my hand shot up really fast and without hesitation, of course, and I said this I, I may not be good at many things, but I definitely will be good at this. So um, I said, um, without a doubt I want to be involved in whatever capacity I can be And uh, it kind of all... <laughs> It all spiraled from there, as I say, just because I was a student for um, two semesters while I was at Mott, and then I did a co-program through another college um, with classes from Mott. And so during those four semesters, uh, I was able to be a student Mott Campus Clown, and then I got a job at Mott uh, in another capacity. Um, And so as a result of that, Dr. Ivory came to me and said, um, I was just wondering maybe if you'd want to kind of stay and I was like um yeah of course I want to stay and and I said I will do literally whatever you ask. Um, I have a a very huge passion for uh, the next generation of clowning and the media involvement that comes with that and um, big passion for community and so I knew that this was gonna be my way to express that and something that I was very um, happy to be involved in. So yes, I have been clowning for a long time. Um, to just do a little bit of math, that would be 23 years that I've- Woo! So- you,
0: you don't look a day over 22.
1: <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. How did your parents come up? About- your mom is
3: the one that started you with clowning and yeah. what is her clown name and why don't I know her? My, my mother's clown name is see Delight. And then my father's clown name is Mo, and uh, my, my brother's name was Buddy. He doesn't clown anymore. It was kind of a, my parents forced me to do this, I don't want to do this kind of a thing. Um, and I, I'm just the one. My, my clown name was uh, very, very plain, very, you know, normal. Um, but I was happy when I, when I was little. I was going to so- ask that. Yes, and my parents gave us our clown names, so I didn't really have a choice. So when, when Dr. Bubby came to me and he said, You get to pick your name, I was like, oh. I spent months thinking about, <laughs> like actual months thinking about what I was going to call myself. And I went through lists and things. So I'm a very, very much a list person, but um, it paid off in the end. So now I, I have a couple of alter egos. Um, I have a Rosie the Riveter clown uh, named Sparkplug. And then of course, as Dr. Bubby has said, I also am a uh, trigger with him in, during parades. And then Tinkers is my my ultimate ego, as I call it. So,
2: One thing I'll say that Alicia brings to the troop that I greatly appreciate, she's a really good person at bringing people together and helping them gel together. Even before the group meets in class for the first time, she'll have a gathering at her house. We actually initiate them with a pie in the face. She'll have movie sleepovers or help coordinate events, uh, trips to the haunted house in October or the ice skating arena in January. So she's done something I don't do very well, which is just helping people blend together outside of the actual clowning part of what we do. If I can give a quick example, we invite them back for the Special Olympics, we invite them back for the Thanksgiving Day Parade, and I think the most we've had at the Special Olympics, it's a three-day visit to Mount Pleasant, is 25 clowns have come back to be part of Special Olympics. And we always tell them, nothing in your clown experience will ever top the experience of performing for Special Olympians. If there was an audience that was made for clowns it happens to be special olympians so we go up there and we do shows and then we do opening ceremonies closing ceremonies and then saturday night we have a pizza party and here we are in a dormitory at western michigan i'm sorry central michigan university and there's 25 people playing ping pong cards doing charades having conversations people who hadn't ever met each other until that weekend. And I remember looking around at this energy in this, and it was two in the morning and thinking, there isn't a drop of alcohol in this place. And these young people are having a blast. And that warms my heart.
0: Dr. Bubby Tinkers, if you could give me a story from one of those visits to the Special Olympics something that you witnessed or interacted with, or even yourself as a clown, um, that that makes you believe that that audience is built for clowns.
2: If you think of a clown as generously giving of their humanity, Special Olympians, generally speaking, give generously their humanity, regardless of differences. And so when you're a clown and you have the capacity to just generously give in public, hugs, cheerfulness, energy, Special Olympians have been doing that their whole lives and so why I say that they're a perfect audience for clowns is because you can completely be yourself in makeup, in costume as a clown, giving because they receive and they give back. Yeah. It's not a specific story but that's my general sense.
3: I think um, one story, well, which I'll have to pass back to Dr. Bubby because I wasn't there. Unfortunately, I had to work for the closing ceremonies uh, one particular year, um, but from the stories I heard from our students um, about the impact that they had uh, from this particular performance was uh, the year that they had a live band at the closing ceremonies and how they got to just interact with the with the students that had come, the athletes, excuse me, that came and uh, they got to be on stage and various other things, but I'll let him tell you about that.
2: Well, that was Jedi Mind Trick, which was a band that invited the whole clown troupe up to dance on stage. Nice. But the tradition for Special Olympics is at the end of the night, they always play the song, We Are the World. And always, without question, a circle forms the athletes, the coaches, the clowns, all holding hands, swaying from side to side. And uh, there's nothing heartwarming uh, that can compare to that moment. And it happens every Special Olympics. Uh, When students go through that experience as clowns, they wanna keep coming back the next year, so. Well, I don't know
0: about you Jazzy, but I found that information in that first segment, that first half hour or so that we talked to them, really really insightful and I can't wait to talk to them again about some more things about Mott Campus Clowns.
1: Such as?
0: Well next we're going to talk to them about who writes their material because they have this show that they take on the road so we're going to find out about who and how they write their material. Um, then I think there's the costuming process that we talk about.
1: Yeah, and we'll be talking, diving a little deeper into the character development and talking about some, whether they um, use any kind of a, you know, a fake voice while they're performing.
0: Okay. We talked to them about how they deal with fear of clowns when they go into the schools. Right. So you're going to want to definitely tune in for that segment coming up next. This has been Slapstick Conversations on Clowning with your humble host. Gunky and the beautiful co host, Jazzy. There you go, Jazzy. (laughs) And just remember life is a circus. Just don't walk behind the
1: elephants. No, told you not to. Mm. So messy.